I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count. What does every grocery store aisle now have in common? Products that come in paper packaging. And we don't just mean the obvious ones like cereal boxes and juice cartons. From beauty products to boxed water, there are more opportunities to go paper-tarian than ever before. So why should you? Because paper comes from a renewable resource and can be recycled up to seven times. Simply put, it's the smart choice for the environment. And it turns out, the easiest choice for you. Learn more at howlifeunfolds.com slash papertarian. This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. As we approach 1230 in the afternoon here on a Victory Monday, I'm starting to finally realize that what happened yesterday at Paycor Stadium was not a fever-induced dream, and in fact, actually reality, because that was probably one of the craziest, drunkest, if you will, Games I've ever seen in my entire life. I said to you yesterday, Tom, I just wanted to end. I don't even care. It's like torture. I don't even care if the Steelers lose. I just want it to be over. You know what? Just lose. I don't care. Right. McPherson. Especially too, if it meant TJ staying healthy, I would have kept I would have kept TJ off the field, take the loss, give Jamar Chase his game winning touchdown. No problemo. That's not what happened. A lot of the talk leading into this game was parallels to the Buffalo game last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, how do you upset such a, you know, across the board favorite in the AFC, favorite to potentially go back to the Super Bowl this year in week one when you don't really have those same expectations in the eyes of a lot of people around the league? And, you know, biggest play in that game against Buffalo was this block, block punt, punt that was returned for a touchdown. So, a lot of people naturally gleaned onto that and said special teams has got to play a factor. There's got to be some big special teams plays. But I don't think that they expected it <laughs> no. to be like a special teams bleep show across no, the board. not at all. My God, special teams completely out were the outdoing of the Cincinnati Bengals. Now, Joe Burrow obviously didn't help the case at all with a poor performance that ended up having him over 300 yards and two touchdowns anyway at the end of the day because... That's what the great quarterbacks do. As long as they stay in striking distance, they will strike. But if I had to give an LVP for the Cincinnati Bengals or just the game overall, and you know, no one wants to point the finger and blame it one specific thing for any reason why you win or lose a game, but let's do that since we're on the radio and podcasting. We're allowed. I'm pointing my finger directly at the culprit being the Cincinnati special teams. I mean, you don't block Minka Fitzpatrick on an easy extra point. Nope. And, and watch the guard, too, on that play. He completely goes out when all he needs to do is just crash into the guy to his right and Minka's got nowhere mm-hmm. to go. And then the snapper gets hurt. 
early in the game, the long snapper. And, and so, they got to go with the backup. And the backup on the Minka block punt or the block field goal takes forever to takes get the ball. Takes forever to get the ball back yeah. there, creating even more time. Like, I'd put it more on the lineman there, though. I think if he just well, crashes yeah, the but right way. If the but ball you're right. It was very at delayed. At, at a regular pace, at a regular speed. But you know who wasn't the backup? The holder. And I know it was a high snap on the uh, attempt to win the game that was missed. But you got to spin those laces, man. Mm-hmm. You can't have the laces in, Dan Marino. Sorry. Laces are out, Dan. And that, to me, is really what it comes down to, is their special teams making mega gaffes, te- routine plays, really. Yeah. I mean, if there's anything that you'd really want to nail down in the three weeks you have during a training camp and preseason period, it's those routine kind of plays. And I understand injuries happen, and you kind of have to play from behind the eight ball, but... Don't you think you should have somebody on your roster that's pretty good at long snapping too? That's not your long snapper. I mean, the Steelers <clears throat> fell victim to that. Don't you remember James Harrison had to come in there as a long snapper <laughs> yes. one year and snapped it like through the goalpost, through the field goalpost, and it resulted in a safety. So that's just a position that you never feel like you need to have a depth guy for, or you need to train anyone to to come in and, and relief in case your long snapper goes down. But. That, Unless, that shows that shows the importance of versatile players on your roster. I think it also shows maybe some inexperience in the coaching, and that's what on I Zach think, Taylor's I part. think that's something that's going to plague the Bengals a lot this year, as they have that big target on their back now, and they're top dogs. I mean, that's a six and a half point favorite that just went down in their own home stadium. When's the last time the Bengals can say that we're six and a half point favorites at home? But we lose the game in an epic upset. Probably fashion. before Joe Burrow came in. Exactly. So, like, Joe Burrow has them at a point now where everybody knows what's coming. And you need good coaching to really counteract that. And I think that was a big thing that a lot of people looked at before this game, too, and said, hey, there's a big coaching mismatch here. How's Zach Taylor going to handle success after last year in the spotlight being on this team? And I don't think he did a horrible job, uh, but there were some definitely some moments there that made you scratch your head. Uh, Especially the one where Jamar Chase definitely scored a touchdown, and, and you they don't just even think to challenge to it? it. Yeah, I mean that one right there. You have stands both ahead of, your... of them all, and then also not being prepared. I think to be honest with you, in the special teams aspect of the game too, was something that came back to bite him. The Jamar Chase thing to me really stuck out. I I don't think there's a single oh, person it was clear to stay as touchdown too. I don't think there was a single person watching that game from a television with the benefit at a benefit of of instant replay. You didn't think, how the hell do you not throw the red flag, right? Mike Tomlin threw it for a meaningless, what, third down conversion in the, in the first <laughs> quarter? He just wanted to get his first flag throw of the year, I think. Just like, get it out of the way. Trying, it's like, oh, I didn't get to do this all preseason. He probably did every once in a while, but like, oh, it's, it's finally here. I get to throw my challenge flag out there. It was he a, did not waste any time. No, it was a good effort by Deontay Johnson, but it came in the first quarter. It came on the first drive for the Steel, or the second drive. He should have won that challenge, by the way. Deontay did, did get a first down there. But I think he did, too. He did. I think but, he, he, it was like a weird, just because, you know what I noticed, too, really quick? He kind of does that thing where he runs backwards before he decides to run forward. Yeah, a lot of playmakers like to do that, just to get more extra space so they can make a nice little juke or get away but from But I agree. Play. I think he got it. Yeah, but again, so, it came within the first yeah. 10 minutes of the game. This this play, this this failed Mike, fi, failed Mike Tomlin challenge came within the first 10 minutes of the game when the last 15 minutes took over an hour. And the, Zach gra- Taylor the gravity of the situation yeah. is what you're trying to illustrate Yeah, here. Zach like, Taylor doesn't think, oh... I'm driving the I'm driving. I've been down the whole game. I need to take a risk here. I get 
seemingly possibly into the end zone, but I'm not going to challenge it. And then we don't even make it into the end zone. He thought in his coaching brain that the risk of losing a timeout that he might need in order to stop the Steelers again to get the ball back was more important than potentially getting a go-ahead touchdown at that point in the game. And I think that was the wrong move. It's the wrong... Yeah, it was the wrong. You got to gamble. You got to be a gambler a little bit. And Tomlin shows more than most coaches that sometimes those gambles don't pay off, but they do every once in a while. And that was one spot where he absolutely needed to uh, throw the red challenge flag and trigger a review there because he was clear as day in the end zone. So coaching and experience, I think, definitely reared its ugly head along with some very poor special teams play from the Cincinnati Bengals across the board. That you know. It's so overlooked when we lead up to the week uh, of football, but special teams really can swing big games like this, I mean, close I, games like this. We're, we're hammering the uh, the field goal unit, but the one time where the Steelers were able to get into good field position came at the hands of Gunnar Olszewski exactly. with a 20-yard punt return. That I mean, set the up only, Chris Boswell, go up 20-14 right? to 14 field goal. The only, a little insurance there. The only times of which the Steelers put up points yesterday, except for the game-winning field goal by Boz and OT, came off of A, turnovers, or B, that return by Gunnar O. So across the board, a horrible showing by the Bengals. Yeah, the only real, like, sustainable, good offensive drive came after the strip sack of Joe Burrow. Or, excuse me, the interception of Joe Burrow. But again, it was via a turnover. Yeah, it was. And it was only 32, or no, excuse me, that was the field goal. It was uh, 59 yards, 7 plays. Best drive of the game. For and sure that was that was with the flea flicker, right? Yeah, love that creativity. Oh, absolutely. You know, a lot of people uh, were we do, we worked the post game show, obviously, and a lot of people were in the uh, you know what's up with the offense? Why didn't you open things up a lot more? I, I thought they did kind of open things up a decent bit. Chase Claypool. Chase had Claypool six had a carries. couple of yeah, uh, and not just carries that got stuffed to the line like you saw Najee yeah, Harris. He was but the he best got, running threat yeah, that the right. Steelers had uh, on the day. That flea flicker early, you know, mm-hmm. that's exactly what you want to do. You get a big interception on defense. Okay, now you go for the jugular, and that's exactly what they did there. Uh, I wish the Friarmouth could have scampered into the end zone. You know, you're obviously sure. looking for that to be a home run hitter and not a triple where you have to get on the goal line and uh, try to score. But uh, that uh, the flea flicker actually did not come on that play, by the way. On that, that drive, that was the field goal drive. Are you talking about the one where Zach Gentry drives? Uh, he gets a, he gets a yes. short route and then yes. takes it down the sideline, hops a tackle. Good partnership on that one to steer me in the wrong direction. Good work. I'm not high-fiving you on that. But I like the flea flicker nonetheless. I like the creativity yeah. there, and I like the ability of using Chase Claypool creatively because we've talked about that all offseason. I like to see this guy on the jet sweeps. This guy is such a mismatch size-wise, and he's so athletic. Let's see him run an open field, and he did that yesterday. So I think it could have been a little bit more open, but it's still week one, A, and B, their offensive line wasn't great i mean it held up enough but it wasn't i don't know moving bodies to the point where you feel comfortable really you know drawing up 15 to 20 yard routes down the field that are really explosive i think you'll see a little bit more of that as the season moves on and the Mm -hmm. offensive line matures but i think that i have no problem with what canada did as far as the play calling was concerned yesterday and and by the way as far as the traditional running was concerned, Najee couldn't get off the ground. And there was no lane for him. He wasn't breaking. T- there, 
no, they were not generating anything the traditional way on the ground, which really can hinder the offense and what you want to do opening it up wise. I mean, you mentioned that how Chase Claypool had a couple of carries. The team still ran the ball over twenty times to only four less than forty pass attempts. So we always talk about how that number between the the, the pass to run ratio has to be. 50-50 probably at the worst, right? And this obviously wasn't that, but you're getting close to it. And yet, we sat here on Friday afternoon and said, we really would hate to see if Najee can't accumulate yards early. We would hate to see the Steelers kind of shy away from the run like they would do with Ben Roethlisberger when he said, okay, well, if Najee isn't, if Najee isn't getting yards, then I'm just going to take over myself. And it just was it was not happening all day long. I think he had about one good run that came at the very end of the game. Uh I, I believe yeah, it was, he, had I, a, I believe he it picked was, up a first down. It was in the it was either it was an eleven yard run. Right. It was either late in the fourth quarter or in overtime. And it just that was it. He had one good run. So I'm not going to hammer the – I mean, yes, you can scold the offensive line for not opening up more gaps and making it an easier day for Najee. But I, I, at least they stuck with it, right? There, there wasn't a, okay, we're going to try for the first two or three drives. If he doesn't get it, then we're not going to go over 15 carries for the rest of the day. And I know Najee didn't get all 22 of those carries because, like we mentioned, Chase Claypool got in there a good amount. And we even saw Jalen Warren get some, but that was just because Najee Harris was, was a little dinged up at the end of the game. But they still opted to go with the run. Yes, and it was good to see Najee Harris get back into the game late you know, mm-hmm. on I, I, he wasn't able to play in the overtime period, but he did go and try to give it a, a chance when the Steelers forced their turnover on downs against Cincinnati and had a chance to ice the game, but it could only muster up two yards on 24 seconds of play clock. Um, and, and one thing there that might have been a little head scratching was why did you pass the ball on second down? But I honestly don't hate it when Najee's clearly banged up. His first attempt at trying to, you know, get in there and tough it out for 10 yards went for negative two yards, so you're already behind the, ch- the chains. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with dialing up a play there where you think, I'm definitely going to complete this to Deontay Johnson, and the 1% actually hit where you didn't get this this ball out to Deontay. It wasn't a complete pass, and yeah, it ended up looking like a bad decision, but I'm I'm not terribly upset about that just because of your state of your, your backfield, but... If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You know, this game was a lot like getting the Soul Stone in the Avengers, Jacob. It cost everything, potentially. Yes, it did. Najee wasn't there to help you salt it away, or at least full-strength Najee wasn't there to help you salt it away, and then he wasn't there at all in the overtime period. And you might have lost your heart and soul, your defense, and T.J. Watt. We're still awaiting news as we sit here recording this. I'm sure we'll find out later today. Um, some things I've seen on Twitter, Adam Gra- or Will Graves from the AP T.J. Watt in the facility today in shorts and a T-shirt, no visible wrap on his left shoulder, upper body area. That means absolutely nothing because he's saying, you know, of course I'm not a doctor on Twitter. I just play one on Twitter. But that's good, at least in my mind, that there's not, you know, something that's just like really like, hey, let's stabilize this arm completely. I don't want you to move it even on accident because you have such a bad injury right now. I saw some reports late last night that people were – 
Her initial report by Schefter was the Steelers feared torn pack, which is a death sentence in the NFL. And then and you saw it, too, when he was coming off the field. Yeah, he said that. <clears throat> but later that night, I saw some other things trickle out that the Steelers were hopeful that maybe it's just a partial tear of his pack, which is like four to six weeks you can come back. So I think we're all rooting for that partial tear. Maybe we're all rooting for nothing. I, mean, like just like I don't know some, if that's a possibility. I don't think so either, based on how he looked off the field and you know, and that kind of came up as soon as he came up from that that play, he just he knew he was coming off the field. Absolutely, and you know he would have wanted to been out there, and they needed him out there too, especially late in those games. Yeah. Um, your defense forces a, 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 a turnover on downs one time with the Bengals threatening on the doorstep without their superhero, and then you ask them to do it again. That's a really tall task, and, a, and they I'm couldn't not, do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm yeah. not upset that they yielded to it, but no. you're telling me that there wouldn't have been a full strength TJ Watt sack on that last oh, drive by the Bengals to really kind of close out that he lives for that moment, like Seattle last year yeah, when he closed absolutely. that game out on his own. Like he he was gonna he was single handedly kind of winning this game on his own. Well, yeah. Anyway. What, what was unfortunate on that drive that he went out, him him and Cam Hayward uh, kind of tag team a sack. But it got negated because there was a holding penalty on Cam Sutton. Yeah. And then the play where he went down, he was able to disrupt the pocket, but because it was an illegal hand to the face. But he was he was doing everything he could to keep the Bengals out of the out of that end zone. Oh my and god. If he Cam was a freak. Sutton, and like I don't want to throw Cam Sutton under the bus because he had an interception. He had a, a really good day overall. Uh, <clears throat> but if Cam Sutton doesn't get called for that holding penalty, and there were a lot of questionable flags thrown yesterday as well, as as is the case for most NFL games. It's week one, too. Remember that. Right. So the players are rusty, but the refs are rusty a little bit. Sometimes they're a little trigger-happy. Sometimes they hold right. it back. Uh, in this case, they flag Cam Sutton. If that flag doesn't get thrown, the game is entirely different, and T.J. Watt probably doesn't have that peck injury. <laughs> you, you, you might not be wrong about that, young Jacob, but I'm— um... I hate to play that what if game, you know, where you turn back time and say, "Oh, well, if this didn't happen, then this didn't happen." Like, let's not do the butterfly effect. It did. Yeah, happen. no, I get it. It did happen. And now you have to kind of figure out how you move forward without a guy that was just so obviously the best player on the field all game long yesterday. Oh, obviously it was to me. I mean, I know yes. Minka had a lot to say about it. Cam had a great game. Yeah, there's Bengals that had great games. Jamar Chase was a freak. I mean, yeah. uncoverable all game long. Joe Burrow showed Joe Burrow traits. I mean, right. He gets picked off four times, but he's <coughs> and like, still you know, kept the team in the throwing, game. Yeah, I'm still right. throwing the hell out of this football. Like there was a lot of good play yesterday, but you can't sit there and honestly tell me that number ninety didn't just pop more than the rest of them. I mean, sacking Burrow, hitting uh, him, tackles for losses, the jump pick six. I mean, or not pick six, but the jump interception. Right. He was just putting his imprint on the game in all aspects. He he was like. You know what he honestly was looking like? He was looking a little Micah Parsons-esque. He was looking year. a little T.J. Watt. He was all I over mean, the place. He was he doing was, everything. Without the pec injury, you come away from week one, and if you had like a, I know like a ticker to see like week to week who's winning the award tracker, he's way out in front of the defensive player of the year already. I mean, I think it's very possible. If the best case scenario is he misses four to six weeks, and say he's able to come back at some point this season, Tom. He'll still be in the in the conversation. It's hard to win any kind of season-ending award when you miss a significant amount of time like that, four to six weeks. But he's that good, Tom. He left that much of an imprint on that game in just week one alone. People were saying, "Yes, what what are we doing? Why even play out the rest of the seventeen or the sixteen games of the season? Just give T.J. Watt Defensive Player of the Year now." 
Jonathan Jones from uh, CBS tweeted out about oh, 10 minutes ago, there's some optimism today in Pittsburgh that T.J. Watt did not experience a full pec tear, be able to return after sitting for just a month or so. But they're still awaiting official word from the team. So sounds like the winds are blowing in the right direction here, or at least the best direction you could possibly go in. The, the right direction would be he's out there week two against the New England Patriots. But if you just have to survive New England, Cleveland on the road, the New York Jets, and then maybe dip your toe into that Buffalo game without him, but that's kind of right where he can come back, I, I think that's survivable. Out for the year, I'd really be down in the dumps today if that's, yes. if that's the kind of – because, again, it's not a death sentence on the Steelers' season, but, boy, did that mountain that you were trying to climb already – become that much bigger also too you have to understand i mean a lot of people are saying in pittsburgh where to point the finger as to why you were up 17 to 3 and, and couldn't close out the victory before two last second drives in the end of the fourth quarter by the bengals the the latter of of, of those two obviously resulted in the the game tying touchdown but i think in cincinnati people are the point the pointing of the fingers is easily distinguishable and it's the special teams but it's also that offensive line which allowed yes. seven sacks uh a lot more quarterback pressures which led to those four interceptions on uh by joe burrow and so i just want to make the point that yes the Steelers defense yesterday to, to steal mike tomlin's simple term was dominant it was the difference maker of that game but you're not going to go up against the bengals offensive line week in and week out for the rest of the season or for however much time T.J. Watt is going to miss. So, yes, you can feel optimistic because, like, when you said yesterday, when you said that yesterday T.J. Watt was by far the best player, I I agree, but we cannot ignore the performances of guys like Cam Sutton, Cam Hayward, Mickey Fitzpatrick. Alex Highsmith had an incredible game. Miles Jack had a decent first game as, as I in thought the Steelers Bush debut. Had a good game. I think so too. I, I, I there were a couple of plays where he he couldn't once again get off his blocks, but he can't do that though. No, he cannot you know, do that. Jacob, remember, we're asking for average. <laughs> That's now. right. And he was, I think he was better than average. So I, I think that box was checked. He definitely played better as the second fiddle to Miles Jack yes. than he did as playing first fiddle to whether it's Robert Splane or Avery Williamson or whoever. And Miles Jack, had, Miles Jack had that great pass breakup. When's the last time we've seen a linebacker jump in front of a back like that yes. and just bat that ball away? I mean, it's been a while, I feel like. I've, of course, I'm speaking hyperbolically. I'm sure it happened last year with Bush getting lucky at some point. But it's nice to see that in a big moment like that week one with Miles Jack. I want to get to that pressure in a second. But first, I want to tell you guys, you can listen to Steelers Nation Radio anytime, anywhere through your smart speaker. Just say, Alexa. Play Steelers Nation Radio from iHeart, and Alexa will take care of the rest. I think if it wasn't for the Bengals special teams just completely being boneheads and losing the game for them, uh, you have to look at the next biggest culprit for the win on the Steelers side of things is that pass rush, is that pressure, is getting in Burroughs' grill all game long. From the start, first play of the game, Cam Hayward, how you doing, Joe? Good to see you again. Hope you had a good off season. How's that appendix feeling? Oh, wait, you know what? Let me <laughs> let me put my uh, weight on you a little bit here while I get up. Oh, sorry, Joe. I'm rusty. Got a bad back. Here, let me use you as. Leverage. I'm an old man. Yeah, right. Like, right from the jump, they set the tone yeah. in that game, and you know, Cam Hayward, obviously, Minka Fitzpatrick, T.J. Watt, the big time paid players on that defense, the the superstars shown, but dude. Alex Highsmith was an animal. So, all preseason long, people were wondering, 
Uh oh, is Alex Highsmith? Uh oh, is Alex Highsmith? Is his injury more of a concern than we think it is? <clears throat> Excuse me. Is is Alex Highsmith going to be ready to come back? And is he if he's even available to play? Is he going to be that good? Like now he's entering his third season. Is he really going to be that great? Well, guess what? We we could sit here all day talk about TJ Cam Minka. Alex Highsmith deserves an entire episode devoted to his performance yesterday. Alex Highsmith was an absolute monster. It was kind of like you, we were going into the season going, uh-oh. But now it's like, uh-oh. Like, uh-oh, is, other teams. Is we got this another guy one. really good? And, hey, maybe it was just taking advantage of a really bad <laughs> offensive line, but what have we been asking Alex Highsmith to do for the past three years? Take advantage. And that's exactly what he did, really, for the first time. Three sacks. Yes. I mean, I'm going to check forced, right now. A forced fumble. I'm going to check right now on the old ESPN.com, but I have to believe he's the sack leader right now after week oh, one. Oh, I mean, I know Von Miller got two in that Thursday night game. Oh, that son of a... Khalil Mack got three sacks really? yesterday. All right, well, he's tied. That former depoy. He's uh, tied. He's tied. Alex Highsmith right there. Number but I, 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 has I, a number one next to his name. There you go. And I bet you if you go on to team statistics, Seals are number one in terms of... Team sacks. Let's find that out, young Jacob, in a live moment. <laughs> Damn Buffalo Bills. They got 7-2. No way. Yeah. Ugh. It's all right, though. We're still, you still we're right got the there. one. You still got the one next to your name. Five years in running leading the uh, league in sacks as a team, and we're right out of the gates exactly where you need to be. That number may slow down a bit without T.J. Watt for a couple of weeks, but I think with I don't Alex, know about that. If he's, if he's gone for a couple of weeks, I think we can— we. I think the Steelers can scheme around it. I think Tomlin can survive. I think Malik Reed can maybe sneak a couple sacks in there. If it was more than a couple weeks, I was going to be like, yeah, you can get by for a couple weeks. But once you get into you know, the Bills and the Buccaneers and they start to see like how you've adjusted to not having T.J. Watt, they're going to adjust to you not having T.J. Watt and how you're utilizing your defense now. Probably a lot more double teams on Cam. Sure. Probably a lot more emphasis on Reed or Highsmith, whoever's playing the best. And then... You know, you start to lose the traction and the momentum and the adrenaline, really, that you have mm-hmm. as you're trying to, to bridge the gap until your your superstar comes back. So if it's only a couple of weeks, like people are speculating right now, I, I think that this defense can survive, and I think that this defense can still put up some statistics, can pull, still force some turnovers and still get after the quarterback. Yeah, I agree. Do you want to do this? Especially if Highsmith plays like this. Like... If Highsmith plays like this and Reed can be adequate on the other side in Watts' absence, then I think you definitely can survive. Here's what I loved about Alex Highsmith's game yesterday was the fact that it wasn't that T.J. Watt was a non-factor and Alex Hi- on certain plays and Alex Highsmith took advantage. Yeah. Alex Highsmith was just in the backfield almost immediately, almost as quickly as T.J. Watt could be on a given play. So it wasn't that the team was focusing more on T.J., <laughs> Excuse me, I got Jeez, a I know, I, I just can't get rid of this frog in my throat. But it wasn't that Cincinnati was only protecting the side of the field where TJ lined up. Alex Highsmith was just able to get to the quarterback, able to break up the pocket almost as seamlessly as TJ Watt was able to do. You sound like Chris Collinsworth from the broadcast. Did you hear him? He's got a bad last You night. sound bad right <clears throat> now. Did you go out and party it up after the big Steelers win on Sunday? I did not. I slept because that <laughs> game took about seven years out of my life. 
Dude, Alex Highsmith not only was getting after the quarterback, but like you said, it wasn't almost like just like, oh, opportunistic sacks. Like, dude looked like an animal. Mm-hmm. Like, he looked like he couldn't be his, stopped. His like, first sack, his he spin He looked move. dominant. He looked better than the offensive lineman. He looks bigger to me, honestly, too, getting to see him, you know, in game. First time we've seen him in game action all year. Didn't play right. in a single preseason game. Right. So he looks like a bigger dude. He looks like he's playing with a little bit more of that confidence, you know, like now that he's entering year three, he looks at that Bengals offensive line and he looks at Jonah Williams and he's like, "Dude, I can beat you. You know, I'm not scared of these guys anymore. If I ever, I don't want to say you were ever scared of them, but that intimidation is probably starting to leave his body completely as you start to become more of a veteran in this mm-hmm. league. So, if we can see some of that confidence continue building, like how could you not build confidence off of that, right? I mean, you got to be sitting in the facility today, enjoying your victory Monday, breaking down some film, eating some nice meals, and just feeling like you have arrived. And you want to, st- you have to imagine once a player gets that feeling, you do as much as you can to hold on to that I've arrived feeling. I think he did arrive yesterday. I think it took some time in his career, but I think he did arrive as a as a playmaker for this team. And honestly, Tom, I didn't hate what I saw out of Malik Reed and Jameer Jones either. No, Malik Reed, I think I didn't really notice Malik Reed or Jameer Jones, which is to say, like, I don't think they did terribly. Like, I don't think they right. Were you so... weren't you weren't hearing the name saying, "Oh, well, there was a rush to the outside by Mixon and, and Jameer Jones or Malik Reed got burned or couldn't get off their block from." Either the tight end or, or the tackle. So, there. like, I know the Bengals ran for 133 total yards. Burrow had some nice scrambles, especially yeah, towards did. the end there. Yeah, he did. And Mixon was able to rip off some big runs as well. But, like, on the whole, they did a better job at stopping the run yesterday than they had all year. And I know that they gave up 133 yards, and that's not going to put you towards the top of the league right out of the gates. But you only allowed 3.9 yards per carry. So, if you can eliminate some of the scrambles... And if you can eliminate some of the big runs from Joe Mixon, I think they did a very solid job at stopping the run. And and a lot of times they stopped the run when they needed to stop the run. So I got no complaints yet on the run defense. I think it was slightly improved. Uh, I think the biggest thing now that you have to correct is just those home run balls that Mixon hit because he had a, some nice long rips. I think the, the play that stood out when you look at the run defense was that fourth and one at midfield uh, as the Bengals were – attempting their first drive into the end zone at the end of the fourth quarter. Fourth and one, the Steelers stack the box, and Joe Mixon just gets the right block, and he's able to take it about 25 yards down the sideline. Right? That's that's yes. a play where you feel like if you're the Steelers, you know what's coming. You should be able to have to have like a prevent guy, right? And 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 somewhere waiting so that even if they get the first down, fine, not the end of the world. But you don't let on a fourth and one known run play to let that play go for, what, 25, almost 30 yards? They gave up the 22nd most yards on the ground uh, yesterday in week one around the NFL. But again, it wasn't like, a, oh, my God, they're just gashing us on the ground. And, hey, at least you weren't the Tennessee Titans who gave up 238 yards on the ground to the it, New York Giants. The Tennessee Titans who gave up that many and didn't run much themselves with <laughs> Derrick Henry. Yeah, very bizarre. Very bizarre game from there. But we'll get to those games in our last episode of the day. Keep talking about the Steelers in our next episode. We'll kind of shift our focus to the offensive side a little bit, too. I think we gave the defense a lot of, of, of play in that first episode, but how could you not? They were the side that really won you the game yesterday against a high-powered Cincinnati offense. Five turnovers? Are you kidding me? You couldn't ask for anything more, and no. you shouldn't ask for anything more because it's really hard to duplicate that, but what a great performance from that defense. So let's get into Mitch. Let's get into the offensive side of things. I know a lot of people were underwhelmed about that. We'll address those and we'll also hand out, you know, 
are players of the game, but in a nice little unique way. <laughs> He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman. This has been the Steeler Standard. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.